Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. This morning we're going to uh, we're continuing in uh, your theme that I believe has been looking at the cornerstones of uh, of church, and uh, we've got to that particular one uh, that you see up on the screen there, which is the the witnessing uh, the witnessing church, and you need to say those words, and straight away uh, it almost sort of strikes fear into into people. I was watching the news uh, this morning, the paper review. Uh, on Sky News, and uh, one of the items they focused on uh, was that one, the, the Archbishop of Canterbury has just come out today and sort of, you know, agreed that, you know, we are a post-Christian uh, sort of nation in many ways, and, uh, and they got to discussing that, and there was one guy who was on the couch saying, well, you know, I'm an atheist, he said, but uh, I really do find it sad that Christians find it so hard to actually stand up and say, hey, I'm a Christian. He said, they shouldn't feel embarrassed about that. He said, you know, I don't believe in that myself, he said, but, you know, they shouldn't feel intimidated or embarrassed to, to admit that. And I thought, well, that, that's, that's helpful, you know, uh, because I've seen this same guy be quite antagonistic to sort of Christian things in other times he's been on. But, but he was sort of saying, you know, you, they've got a right to say, well, I believe, I disagree, but they have a, a, an absolute right to declare their allegiance to Christ. One of the other interviewers did happen to sort of make the point that actually society doesn't make it too easy these days because often they try to nail us down to one or two things that are quite controversial and that makes it quite difficult sometimes. But nonetheless, the point was there that he wasn't offended and generally speaking, people are not offended when people say, look, this is where I stand. I'm not offended when somebody says to me, well, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. I feel sorry for them, but I'm not offended. And equally, we shouldn't feel that we are going to be offensive if we declare our faith in Christ either. So thinking about the witness in church, and uh, just if you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn to Matthew chapter 9. And we'll just sort of uh, read one or two verses from there, from verse 35. And Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And those words that uh, right at the, the end of that are words that we caught in not the song, but the, the song before last, uh, about being laborers in the vineyard, about the harvest being plentiful. Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send forth workers into his harvest field. 
And sometimes it's hard to get our head around the fact that the harvest is plentiful. Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, not where I work, it's not. Not down our street, it's not. You know, I've never known as much opposition in my life. And hands up, yeah, I, I would probably agree with you. It is difficult in this nation at this particular moment in time. But it's not true around the world. Witnessing actually can be very, very exciting. It can be very, very exciting. And uh, I've had the opportunity of speaking in lots and lots uh, of different countries around the world. And I found it absolutely thrilling, some of the things that I've seen God do. Uh, Just one or two sort of snapshots there of various places in Africa and in Brazil. Uh, Last week I was in Romania. A couple of weeks before that I was in Germany. Uh, and I've been to lots and lots of different countries. Uh, Zambia was the first African nation I ever went to. And I was just thrilled at the hunger in people's hearts. In Brazil, they were queuing up in the streets wanting to be counseled for salvation in, in, a, a sort of the, in the center of Rio there. Witnessing can be exciting in other parts of the world. And yet sometimes we can find it really, really difficult uh, right here on our own patch where we live. And so it's important for us to understand one or two things uh, about, about witnessing. Maybe just to debunk one or two myths and, uh, and to build up our confidence in just sharing our faith. Let me just say this uh, right from the outset, that witnessing is good for you, okay? Uh, I don't know how many of you uh, are sort of fitness fanatics, Looking around, not many. Uh, but anyway, not many. Uh, but uh, you know, some people they're right into it, aren't they? You know, uh, I was, as I was away in Romania last week, and uh, we went. It was, it, we were doing a number of things. We were at a place called Teen Ranch, uh, but at the top of this beautiful building that they have, that the Swiss built many, a number of years ago, uh, there was like a recreation room, and there's the usual stuff, sort of you know, uh, pool and uh, table tennis and uh, table football, uh, and then there's a weight machine in the corner. And as I saw it, I said to the guy that I was, was well, I said, you know, you could get any number of those. They're stored in the garages of just about everybody back home, you know, because uh, we've all gone through that sort of uh, fitness sort of regime. Uh, I got into it at one particular time. Fortunately, at the time, it didn't cost me a lot of money. Uh, it, was a, it was a bicycle inner tube. Uh, and I, I tell you, you can do everything with a bicycle in a tube. All of this, all of that, all of that. You know, I mean, and the outlay is very, very small. So after about three days, when you pack it in, you've not lost a great deal. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but witnessing, just like sort of, you know, the, the other stuff keeps you fit physically, witnessing actually keeps us fit spiritually. It does you good. Because when we face the challenges of sharing our faith, then we're driven back to our knees, and to the Word of God. You know, the fact is, you don't really need the Bible. A lot, if you're just going to get fat. You're just going to read it to stuff your, excuse the terminology, to stuff your face, or your, or your theological brain. It doesn't do you a lot of good. You might be able to appear more clever in the Bible studies. Uh, you might be able to impress your Christian friends. But in terms of your usefulness upon the earth for God, it's neither here nor there. But actually, if you're actually in that book and on your knees, because of the challenges that we're facing at our place of work, in our school, down our street, and you're, and you're digging out the answers to the kind of questions that people are asking, might just not become useful. And, and, and spiritually... 
we get a lot more toned up because there's a hunger for the word and a hunger to pray that is driven by a desire to see God glorified, Christ lifted high, and people in that vineyard that Jesus spoke about. Those people that he has compassion for, that we see them coming to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Witnessing is, is not an option. It's not an option. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. In another version, it says, make disciples of all nations. And the disciples, well, they did it all the time. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, it says that day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. They never stopped. In every circumstance, in every place, they never stopped proclaiming the good news of Jesus. But it's not just preaching and teaching, because again, I can hear one or two voices saying, well, actually, preaching is not my gift. Teaching's not my gift. You know, it's given to some to maybe do those particular things. And the disciples were called uh, maybe because that's what God wanted them to do in those early days. But we're all called to live out our faith in the real world, in your world. Because there are people that you will speak to that I will never speak to. There are people that you will witness to that I will never have the opportunity to witness to. In fact, there are people that you will speak to and you will speak to them tomorrow and you will be the only, the only portal to the things of God maybe that they will ever have. And that's a sobering thought. That may be a bit like uh, uh, Esther, you know, for such a time as this. God put you there. When he saw you before the foundation of the world, when he, when he, you know, before anything else was, and he saw you and he determined that in a moment of time, a moment of history, that you would be, maybe it was to be where you will be. Well, not maybe. It was that you would be where you will be tomorrow morning amongst that particular group of people that you might share the good news of Jesus by your life and also by your lips. How do we do that? How do you do that? Well, Jesus did it uh, in uh, a variety of ways. He did it initially, of course, by simply getting close to people. By getting close to people. And he, and he did that in a, in a variety of ways. The easiest way to get close to people is to love them. The one thing that people say when they come to our church, I'm convinced they will say it here as well, because I know you people and I know you fairly well, most of you, not all of you by any means. But the thing that they say when they come to our church, and the reason they come back a second time, is we're just overwhelmed by the welcome. We're overwhelmed by the love and the concern, and the care that is shown. We had a couple that came to our church just recently. You were responsible, actually. <laughs> uh, when I say you, it was this church, it was John Bates. He was actually speaking at a funeral, and there was a lady there who sat in that funeral, and God touched her heart. She went away from that funeral and started to seek God. Uh, she asked God for a sign, and he gave her 
a sign. She asked him to repeat it, and and he repeated the sign. I've heard the testimony, remarkable testimony. She turned up at our church the following Sunday, along with her husband, who said, Love, if we're not welcome, we're going straight out. Because he's, pardon me, he had a bad experience in a particular denomination, which I'll not mention, but you'll know it quite well. Uh, anyway, uh, so, and, and he sort of said, it, it was a bad experience growing up in that. He said, if we're not welcome, we're going. They were overwhelmed with the sense of the presence of God and the welcome that they received. They gave their hearts to Christ. Uh, we baptized them just a short while ago up at Regent Chapel in the baptismal pool there. And Lisa and Gavin are going on with God because God has touched them and God has blessed them. But it was the love that really impacted them initially. The bulk of our growth over the last two years has come through the, the, our CAP ministry, our Christians Against Poverty, Poverty Ministry. And it's just getting alongside ordinary people in trouble. And we've had a number now who've, got, who've become Christians, who've baptised, they're part, functioning in the church. The change in their lives has been remarkable. They're not still without problems. Man, these people come with loads of baggage. But I'll tell you what, it's just been wonderful. And it's been amazing that these people are the ones that are just sharing what God has done in them. And they're the ones bringing the new people along. It's fantastic just to watch it. Love is one of the ways that Jesus got close to people. People loved him. Didn't feel threatened by him. He got close to people by meeting their needs, okay, by meeting their needs. Whether it was a wedding at Cana where he provided the wine or whether it was the healing miracles that he performed or whether it was feeding 5,000 people on a hillside, he met people's needs. Didn't he say, I came to serve, not to be served and to give my life a ransom for many. It was he that got down and got a bowl and water and a towel and washed feet. He came to serve people. I know we get people, some people get quite agitated about us being a social gospel. Listen, it's both. It's both. You know, if what we preach isn't backed up with what we do, then, then they don't hear what we say. They watch what we do. But equally, we need to have a reason for doing the things that we do. When people say, well, why do you do this? Why do you, why do you sort of have this food bank? You know, why do you sort of have this cat ministry? Why do you sort of, why have, why have you come and decorated our house? Why have you sorted out the garden? Why do you care like you care? And we've got a reason for the hope that is within us. Jesus got close to people by loving them, by meeting their needs, and by presenting the gospel in attractive and interesting ways. Now, I know that wasn't the Lord, okay. Uh, but I sort of, I tried to do that this morning with three clowns, a silly little thing. But, you know, just trying to get people's attention so, so that they might understand the, the gospel that we proclaim. And Jesus did that all the time. People were fascinated by the stories that he told. All right, it was a non-technological age. But, he, but he, he, he used visual aids. He built up pictures in people's minds. He used humor. He presented the gospel in attractive and interesting ways. One of the guys, that same guy that was on the news program this morning said, you know, he said, I'm, he said I don't believe in God. He said, but on Palm Sunday, me and my family decided we'd go to church. So something must be going on in that guy's life. So we, went, so we went to our local village church. He said, it's a lovely, beautiful, massive building, he said. He said, the trouble was there were only 11 people inside. 11. He said, and I've got to say, it was really boring. But he was interesting. He also said, now I'm not saying they should all go out and suddenly get, you know, sort of guitars and tambourines. 
So he wasn't expecting that either. Just expecting something more engaging. You know, more engaging, more real somehow. Jesus always presented the gospel in attractive and interesting ways. And you so the thing is, you see, we can get close to people too. Every single one of us. Again, in all kinds of different ways. We can get close to people in the home. We can get close to people at work. We can get close to people in the classroom or at the school gate, at the shops, uh, taking the baby or a dog out. I'll tell you one of the best evangelistic tools you'll ever have is having a baby or a dog. And my suggestion is go for the dog. Okay. <laughs> but it's just amazing the opportunities you get just to talk. When you've got those kind of things. And you know, if you've got a dog, people stop. Complete strangers stop and talk to you. If you've got a dog, I stop and talk to people who've got dogs. I said, it's a lovely dog. What sort of dog is that? And we get into a conversation. I used to have a dog myself. And we get into this conversation. Recreational pursuits. Uh, a great, I was with a guy last week in Romania, he's an Australian, uh, and he said, I was a young man, 20 odd years old, he said, Billy Graham came to uh, Australia where we were, we're on the crusade, and we were all taught to, taught to take a non-Christian friend, he said, I realise i got no non-Christian friends, he said, and my minister said to me, it's time to get your rugby shirt back out again, and get back out on the field, he's still playing rugby now, he'll be 60 next year. You see, because we need those non-Christian contacts, those non-Christian friends, those recreational pursuits. But having gone amongst them, what then? What, what, where do we go next? Well, we need to create... Oops, I'm oh, sorry, I thought, I thought those were all coming up automatically. All right, we'll get shut of them. Okay, fine. All right, creating the right opportunity. You know, Jesus knew how to do that. He was good at that. The, the, the story of the woman at the well in, in John chapter 4. Read it again sometime this week. It's a great story about just how to engage people and get alongside people. And there's lots of things we can learn from that. You know, when we're talking to our non-Christian friends or neighbours, without appearing to be fanatical or religious nutcases. You know, they need to just to be yourself and relax. You know, most of our friends are on our side, because that's why they're our friends. You know, they're not easily offended by the things that we do. They want to be sympathetic to the things that we, that we share. And I found that that's true. You know, that people just want, they don't, they don't mind when I share things about Jesus. They don't get upset about it. They don't want me to try and ram it down their throats and be on about it all the time. But they're open to it. I had a lovely uh, situation just a couple of weeks ago. In fact, it was just before I went to Romania, a uh, week last Monday. Uh, and I was out in the golf course, it was, it was a match. Uh, and we were playing with this other couple of blokes. And so walking down this ferry at Tynemouth, and this, one of these opposing players says to me, he said, you're not from around here, are you? I said, no, I said, I'm from Lancashire. Oh, he said, that's interesting. He says, so you're, you're a missionary to the northeast then, are you? I said, you've got it in one. And he looked at me, I said, no, that could not be a more accurate description of what I am. He said, pardon? I said, I am a missionary to the northeast. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, what do you do? And, and we went on. And he never let the subject drop right throughout the round, right throughout dinner. And he was still talking about it when we shook hands to say goodbye. Maybe that's a, a, a unique kind of thing because of what I do. But opportunities come. Uh, relax, be yourself. 
Listen, I'm going to have to tie our time pretty well gone. So let me just stick a few things up on here. You know, we're there to expose people to God, not to impose God upon them. And the difference. You know, some people just want to get out there and preach at people and bang them over there with the Bible. Don't do that. That's just, that's just offensive. And Jesus never did that either. He just exposed them to the things of God and the works of God. The gospel is powerful enough. Doesn't need our muscle to do its job. We need to be aware that people are not suddenly going to get from there to there in an instant. Some do. But the majority, it's a journey. And, and everybody's somewhere on that journey. Some are way back. They haven't got a clue. Some people have been exposed to the things of God and it's interested them, but it's a little bit dormant. Some people are quite in, more than just interested. Some people are really looking for opportunity to get to church and to meet him. It's good to try to find out where people are. Get rid of all that Christian jargon. Ask the kind of leading questions that people uh, that might begin to open up. Leading questions like, when people say, oh, I don't believe in God. Well, that's interesting. What, it's just out of curiosity, what is the God you don't believe in? And then listen to the answer. No, no, no I'm, not, I'm not trying to catch out. I'm just, I just fascinated. You don't believe in God. What is this God you don't believe in? And when they finish, say, you know, strange thing is, I don't believe in that one either. Let me tell you about the God I believe in. And then just share a little bit of your testimony. Help people to see the holes in their beliefs because many people have never thought them through. They'll come out with a rash statements like, the Bible's full of contradictions. Well, that's fascinating. That. I'll tell you, just I'm to have a Bible. Just show me half a dozen that you're not so sure about. Never ask for one, because they probably might find one. Half a dozen. Because if it's full, it can't be a problem to find half a dozen, surely. Have you actually ever found any for yourself? Well, no, not really. It's just, well, people say, don't they? Well, l- let me just tell you some of the things about this book. This amazing book. Handle their objections we could go on with some of these things. Let me just sort of shift, shift on to the closing bits. Let me leave you with this thought. Your testimony is your most powerful weapon. Look, I know it's not easy for many of you to suddenly start, you know, get the book out and start flicking backwards. And some people can do that. Some people know where every verse is, you know what I mean? Can I be honest with you? I don't. I'm rubbish at that. I really am. Names and, and Bible, where, where things are in the Bible, I've not got, I, I'm struggling. But I will say, I'm, I, I know you. We, we met at such and such, that, yeah, but I've forgotten your name. I'm sorry about that. It's just, it's just a blip somewhere in my... It's not that I'm not interested. The name's gone. I know the Scriptures. I can quote them left, right and centre. Sometimes you struggle to know exactly which chapter and verse. And I'm encouraged by the fact that when it was originally written, there wasn't a chapter and verse. Okay? So I'm not going to get too stressed about that. Some people do struggle with that. But I tell you what, we can all share our testimony. And I love to share mine. Because it's real. It's what happened to me. You know, people became disciples of Jesus through personal testimonies. Andrew invited Peter to come and meet Jesus. A whole city was touched through the testimony of one woman, the Samaritan woman. A king was almost persuaded through Paul's testimony. People become Christians in all kinds of ways. You know, a testimony is just so valuable. People can't argue. Because it's actually happened to you. You know, to start quoting scripture and say, ah, yes, but have you considered this and have you considered that? And science says this and that says that. But when I share my testimony, 
People can't argue with that. Something powerful has happened in my life. And they can see it. It's a vehicle for telling the truth without offence. People don't get offended with testimonies. And it whets the appetite for more. Listen, I'm going to just uh, flip right through that. Go through yeah, we'll, we'll just uh, get rid of those because we haven't got time. Come. Last slide. Look, remember, you're not on your own. We're part of the church. Witnessing is a cornerstone of the church. We're part of the church. Some people, they'll be out and out evangelists. And they're there not to do the job for you. They're there to encourage you to do the job. So we're part of the church. God's means of reaching a lost world for Jesus. He's given us the Holy Spirit so that we might be not sort of, you know, swinging from the chandeliers in worship. But that's good. I enjoy that myself. I'm, I'm a bit into that. But we have the Holy Spirit. Why? In order that we might be witnesses. Wait until you get the Holy Spirit. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Gates, at the ends of the earth. He's given us the Holy Spirit that we might be those witnesses. And he said, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. When we stick our neck out, he's there with us. When we're stuck for words, he'll give us the words. When we're feeling fearful, he'll strengthen us and encourage us. But he expects us to take the opportunities. Was I surprised when the guy on the golf course they uh, came out with that statement. Not really. You see, because as I was getting the gear out of the car and assembling my trolley, I said, Lord, if there's somebody you want me to speak to today about you, give me the opportunity. And he did. And I took it. And that's all we can do. Ask for the opportunity. Mean it. Expect it. Look out for it. And when it comes, take it. And God will bless you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you, we have a great gospel to proclaim. We thank you that we have a friend in Jesus that's like no other friend in all the universe. We thank you for the work of transformation that you've done in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we've got amazing testimonies. Not only just ours of salvation. And for some of us that was years ago when we became Christians. But Lord, you did stuff this last week. And we're just so grateful. And people need to hear that. That you're a living, moving and active God now. So Lord, go with us. Bless us. Speak through us. Use us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.